Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. PGA Nation! We are back! We are back with the final major of the year. And it's the home of golf. We're going back to where it all began. St. Andrews, it's going to be a fun, fun week. Coming off a, a fun week last week, which... I dominated everyone in the draft, of course. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Coming back with a repeat, as I usually do. Uh, this week, which I'm very excited for. But this is going to be a great tournament. It's kind of like, for me, it's the last major. has It's a lot of meaning. We really got to take this week seriously, make some big money so we can end the year and end the major season on, on a big note, which is important in golf. Uh, and who knows, with the way things are going by next year, the PG that these majors might be secondary to the live tour. So you never know where things are going, <laughs> the way golf is going this year. But see, how you doing tonight? You mentioned the live tour. I, I'm doing fine. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting started because I, I think the pricing in particular this week is very, very interesting. And I know I want to get to Spencer's model breakdown, but you know, David is back, of course. And you mentioned the live tour. I just have to ask David, is that the hat of who I think it is of? It absolutely is. Yes, this is this is Greg Norman's actual hat, uh, which I procured in my time in Dubai, working on um, some of the European tour tournaments over there. Family friend of mine was working with uh, Greg on some of his golf, golf course design in the area, and I was looking forward to seeing him play in the the Dubai Desert Classic. And unfortunately, he had to withdraw. So he very kindly reached into his car and um, and grabbed his hat out, which this is. So. Um, unfortunately, I feel that the longer that this live stuff goes on, the the more that this decreases in value. But I thought in honor of the fact that Greg Norman is not able to attend the 150th Open, this is kind of the closest he will get as appearing on the PGA to a draft cast. <laughs> well, that's actually probably true. Uh, what a really cool story. And it's actually kind of a cool looking hat. I can't pull off a hat like that, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but Joel, to answer your question, I'm doing fine. I'm ready to get started. I love it. I love it. And we have a great show in store for you tonight. This is going to be an epic draft. Spence, how you doing tonight? I am doing great, Joel. It's as you said, like these major championships, they're the four times the year. Those are my favorite tournaments. And it's fun for me because even last week for it, West Coast doesn't get nighttime golf. So it's always fun to get that nighttime golf that comes into play with it. So it's exciting from a viewership perspective. It's something that we don't normally have. It's kind of like the same concept uh, when I used to watch tennis for, you know, specific majors there, but uh, it should be a fun tournament. I think that's a really good point. I want to highlight. I had so much fun last week waking up to the tournament already being like halfway yeah. through and being like, oh, already like wake up to right in the middle of the action. It was great. I love that. How about you, David? How you doing today? I'm awesome, buddy. No, I'm, I'm super excited. I, this is, for me, it's, it's along with Augusta, just the pinnacle of our game. Like, this really is the absolute pinnacle. 
I mean, Rory referenced it in his press conference yesterday. It, it kind of is winning winning the Open is an incredible achievement no matter what, but winning the Open at St. Andrews, 150th edition, like, let's go. Like, this is it. And you make a good point, like, there's nothing that compares to the Masters, but we play there every year. Sorry, sorry, Ed's comment is too good for those of those of you listening Thanks, on on the podcast uh, later on. Uh, Edward says, "I didn't realize that was David. I thought it was Crocodile Dundee." It's just, it's just fantastic. No, that's um, not a knife. This is a knife. There you go. That was good. Wow, I like really that. Good. Um, no, I was just saying, you, 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 we get to see the Masters every year, right? This is like unique, and and it's quick. This is going to be a fun tournament to watch. This is a very unique golf course. It, it's not like the other courses that we watch. So you're going to see the best golfers in the world get a unique challenge and, and a cool looking course. Like you know, you get excited for the Masters, but you get that every year. This is something that only comes every couple of years. So we're going to dive right into things. It's going to be super exciting. Uh, before we get into it, Spence, do you want to get us right off with the course breakdown? <laughs> I'm going to keep this extremely short this week. I feel like we all have a very good understanding of the track, but it's the old course at St. Andrews, 7,305 yards, par 72. Uh, the one thing you will hear a lot of this week is how the RNA can't do a ton with the setup. You can expect them to bake out these fairways for a little more fire as their one defense, but really the course comes down to weather in these large green complexes that do roll on the slower side of the equation because of the fescue grass. I wouldn't look too much into the par 72 total since we have an abnormal 14 par fours, two par fives and two par threes. But think of a test where all player types have a chance off the tee since there are multiple avenues to find success. I think the guys that bomb it, they're going to be able to get within a few yards of these surfaces. The ones that are not as long are still going to be able to roll it up. They're probably going to have 50 to 100 yard shots. So it's a lot of different ways to take it on. The real difference maker will come into play when we dive into those short iron proximity totals and things of that nature. Half of those par fours that I mentioned stretch between 350 to 400 yards. So we get very similar makeup repeatedly. And it's one of the reasons why I took 50% of my weighted proximity total and placed it on proximity under 100 yards. The final 50% was scattered from all the other distances, but I looked heavily into short iron play. I did massive recalculations to try and mimic St. Andrews on par fours. And the rest was pretty standard stuff of wind, putting, three-putt avoidance, scrambling, and just your typical open championship quirks that are to be expected when you run a model. And real quick, Joel, before um, you respond, I did want to acknowledge the listeners, uh, selfishly though, go ahead and hit the like button. I'm talking to you, Courtney, Brent, Edward, um, Jesse, Carmen, Steven, of course, Charlie's in here, Ivan, and the rest of you that are in here, definitely hit the like button. But uh, yeah, uh, carry on. Spencer, that was great. I appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, don't, see, it makes a really good point. Don't forget, hit the like button. Give us a follow. You know it goes a long way. We really appreciate it. We give you winners week in, week out. We can ask for a little button smash. That's all we need. Uh, but we're going to dive right into things. So uh, I picked the order this week, this week. Audience, you know, in return for you guys doing me a favor and hitting the like button, I've given you the first pick. So that's the that's wow. what I do. So that's generous. Uh, you and Sia are going to pick first. Spencer is going to go second. David third, and I'm going to clean up last. I think it's the only fair way to even it out is to let me get the last pick. So that, you know, <laughs> you guys got a chance to to win. But without further ado, audience, start making nominations. You're on the clock. You're up first. We'll get right into it this week. We'll pull up the draft board now. So um we can get this train moving 
So yeah, you, you say it's generous, but we all know that it's Joel putting himself at the end of the draft so that he can steal more of my picks. Uh, that Fleetwood play ended up coming fourth last week. Just point that out. That's that's a really good point, actually. I think uh, I, it was pretty obvious, I think, to the audience as well, that he just needs a few picks to happen before his picks to kind of get a feel for like where he should go. Um, exactly. But he's predicating that on our knowledge, not not his own. All right. We have a lot I'll, of nominations coming. Well, I'll, just add, I'll admit that because well, what I'll add is my pick was Xander, but you stole that from me with the first pick. So you had the, the runner ups and everything. That's fine. That's that true. Fair, cool. fair play. Fair play. <laughs> um, OK, so we, we had a lot of nominations, but the winner, the number one pick in the PGA DraftCast for the Open Championship is none other than Rory McIlroy. Nominated by Ivan and by Carmen, and there were some nominations in between that, but none of them had uh, had two. So Rory is the proper nominee for um, Team C audience. Uh, what do we think, um, Spencer? I'd, I'd like to go to you here. Um, you know, obviously he's expensive, uh, but I how how is your model in terms of justifying the expense? I was gonna take Rory McIlroy with the second pick, so I mean. Yeah, he's going, he's popular, he's expensive, but he's the number one player for me from an overall rank sense. When we look at the last five tournaments, uh, he's either gained 8.26 or 8.27 shots on average with his driver and his irons. Everything seems to be trending in the right direction. I mean, it's really hard to find anything negative to say about him. When we look at just like the odds to win the tournament, he's nine or 10 to one at most books. The rest of these guys are in the 16 to 20 to one range. So Sportsbooks thinks that there's an advantage with him. There probably is a very slight advantage to be had. And I think it's like 17%. That's not a massive total to where I'm going to be deterred from taking him. Right. All right. Well, um, speaking of taking somebody, Spencer, it's already on you. We stole Rory McIlroy from you, just like Xander was stolen last week from Joel. So uh, who would have been your second place? I guess we're going to find out right now. Here's the thing. This guy's going to fall back to me 100% if I don't take him. But I'm going to go with the way my model's set up. So Rory's number one. I'm going to go with the second person on my model. And it's going to be a very big shock to everybody probably because he's less than 10% owned. But I'm going to take Dustin Johnson at 9,200. And I want to lock him in and just make sure I build my lineups around him. So I'll read off a couple stats here because the high-end metrics in my model are just superb. When I look at strokes gain T to green over a two-year sample size, he's 28. That would be from all tracks. When I condense it to mimic St. Andrews, he actually becomes the number one player in this tournament. The weighted putting sees a really big boost for him because he's good at three-putt avoidance on slower greens. The total driving, the par four scoring, the weighted proximity, those are all categories where he ranks inside the top five for me. And as I said, I could have waited, but there's not a ton of like massive ownership I was looking to take on this week. So... I'm going to lock in the player that is second for me and just go build from there. Um, spoiler alert, at the end of the show, when we do first round leaders and outrights, uh, I can tell you that on my end, Dustin Johnson will be featured in, in one of those categories. So I definitely approve of this pick. I think it's pretty sneaky. Um, Joel or David, um, any any thoughts on Dustin? Is, is he on your radar? Yeah, he is. I like Dustin this week. I think what I like more about him in DraftKings is I think, and we'll see how it turns out, we'll get – Steven's article tomorrow. We'll make sure we see the ownership and understand it. But I think people are going to be off on that. He's on the live tour. I don't think he's going to get as much ownership as he should, which is going to be a big advantage in tournament. So let's see what the ownership number is. But if it is low, like I think it will be, I think he's a great play. 
I think that's a really interesting element, isn't it? The psychological impact that some of these live player have on ownership. I mean, we, we expect kind of across the board, some of these lift players to be lower owned than they should. So I think it's a really um, savvy, smart play on a course that should really, really suit DJ. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, David, it's on you. Um, on the flip side, though, you guys have let slip the player who's just won three tournaments in a row to third position. Um, I, I'm going to take X going to give it to you. I mean... No, <laughs> the DMX reference is very much appreciated. Um, yeah, I mean, I hear you. You know, Spencer Xander makes a lot of sense here. Um, he's going to be chalky again, but then, you know, then again, we're, we're, you know, we just, the audience just took a chalky guy as well. Spencer, what are your thoughts on Xander this week? I think you could make a very strong argument that Xander should probably be I mean, I guess he should be behind Rory. He probably has to be behind Scheffler, but he could be the third choice on the board. I, I don't see a reason why he couldn't be 10,800. And I mean, if you view it like that, all of a sudden 16% or 17% isn't so massive with it. So look, there's there's a handful of guys I'm going to be out on in that, like, we'll call it 9,900 and up range. There's going to be a handful that I'm in on, but Xander's certainly one of those guys that I'm considering. And, and David, I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, was there anything? Obviously, he's been playing great. I mean, there's not much by way of criticism we can offer, but anything in particular, maybe as it relates to this course or this setup that you just really like Xander, notwithstanding, like, let's assume he didn't win last week or he didn't win at the Travelers, but he was good. Um, would this still have been a, a great play for you here? I mean, he's fourth for three-putt avoidance to to start with. I mean, I think that's going to be on these huge greens is, is going to be a uh, I mean, you, you expect him from 100 feet to leg it to, to two feet kind of every time, right? Um, so that's obviously going to be a huge asset for him. He's just got a really well-rounded game. He's never missed the cut at the Open as well. And I think if I'm going to be going up top and um, and spinning up, I want that certainty that this player is going to make the weekend. And so, you know, now that I've said that, I've cursed him and he'll obviously miss the cut. But um, look, he, he's just been trending so well, um, well-rounded across the board and i i just i i don't see a reason not to play him and especially right the, the pricing's come out so early you're yeah. getting him at 9900 like really like he should be what 10 6 10 7 you should probably be second favorite behind rory um and and so i feel that you're just getting such great value and and keeping some cash in your pocket to spend later on in the draft mm -hmm. yeah it makes sense all right joel it is already on you, the last week's champion for back-to-back -back picks. What do we got? All right. Well, it should be no surprise with the direction I'm going to go because two reasons. Oh, Casey. <laughs> you get one more opportunity. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm not that big of a punishment. I will not do that. Uh, but I'm going to take one of the guys I always take, uh, and I'm going to start with value because that's what I do. And I think that's how you win these, these tournaments, especially in majors. Um, I think it's harder to decipher which one of the greatest golfers in the world is going to pop this week rather than we can find value lower, make sure we have those guys, and then hope you hit on one of the best guys. So for me, I think the, there's a clear top value. I am concerned about his ownership because I do see his ownership getting high, but it's Max Homa. I mean, this guy has been lights out uh, this year. He's super consistent, and the fact they have him at 7,900 is just a misprice. It's, he should be uh, higher than that. He should be at least in the mid-eight. So – to get him under 8K is, is I think, a great mm -hmm. price. If he does creep to 25%, that's too high. I, I will get off of him uh, if he goes that high. 
Um, I don't, you know, I, I almost don't think any guy, any golfer should be 25% in a tournament like this. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. But if he stays even at 20, I'll be okay with it. I'll stomach it and I'll put him out there. So I'm going home on one and I'm sticking with value. Another guy who I think is, a, you know, probably fairly priced, maybe a little underpriced, but I love his upside for in the mid 8,000s. And that's Tony Finau uh, at 8,400. Wow. Yeah, that is interesting because Jesse just stepped into the chat and mentioned Finau like right before <laughs> you actually said those words. The timing was unbelievable. Anyway, uh, Joel, keep going. Uh, tell me, tell us about Tony Finau. Yeah, I mean, Tony really turned a corner. He, he started the year really poorly. Uh, he wasn't playing great, but he's really turned a corner in the last few. He's he's uh, he's showing some really good form. I, I don't put as much weight into my model as, as most. He did come out as the number one ranked player in my model. So he doesn't really, for this course, he does a little bit of everything well, right? He's, he's going to be good scrambling. He does really well off the tee. He's going to be good on approach. So I just think he's just this is just a really good course for him. And at 8,400, I think he's going to compete with a lot of these top guys. I think I'm getting a, a really good bargain. Yeah, I, I personally love the value of both of those guys. Um, so I, I have no objection there. My only concern with Homa would be the ownership. Yeah. That's the only negative thing I can say. I, I like Finau, so I always like Finau. And I would agree. Uh, you got to keep an eye on that ownership, and I'm with you. If it gets to 25, I'm, I'm probably going to pivot. But I think at 20, I'll still be comfortable with them. Yeah, All I right. agree. I mean, look, they're both, I think they're both going to get very high ownership. I think Tony Finau, yeah, again, yeah. Is, is also incredibly um, – low priced for the type of form that he brings in. Um, I actually watched a, an old press conference of Tony Finau from the 2021 Open, uh, which is worth going to have a look at. He, he eventually finished 15th at that tournament, um, but he talked about his love for Lynx golf and the creativity that it brings. And um, look, I think he's a, an extremely strong pick. Um, but look, I mean, sort of the, the same way that I played it last week, if you can differentiate yourself with some ownership, pivots down the line i think that it's just such a solid core for your team so i think it's great great start um and and no surprise the name was mentioned in the chat and joel um stolen i mean that's that's a tendency that we've seen before so so yeah yeah standard um (laughs) look i'm gonna i'm gonna go for some value as well and i i'm doing it out of patriotism i'm doing it out of fear of not getting this guy when he comes back it's Ryan Fox at 7,100. I mean, for me, there's, he's dropped, was it 8,500 last week at the Scottish? Yeah, I think yeah. you'll That's tell right. us here. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he's dropped from 8,500 to 7,100 on a course that didn't necessarily suit him at the Scottish Open in terms of it was a lot more narrow in terms of the fairways and really penal rough if you do miss the fairways. If, if there's one flaw to Ryan Fox's game, it, it is that he can spray it off the tee, but that just comes with his prestigious driving distance. Um, he, he's driving the ball so far that he is liable to get a little wild off the tee. Uh, he's finished 16th at the Open Championship before. Um, in terms of the betting odds versus where he's ranked on DraftKings, betting odds, he's ranked, um, he's ranked 24th on the board in terms of where they're pricing him for his odds. If you priced up all the DraftKings players, he's 53rd. So there's a clear difference in terms of betting markets are a lot more sharper on Ryan Fox than what DraftKings have them on. And I'm just massively into the value that I'm getting. The The distance off the tee at St. Andrews means that there's probably about four par fours where he can drive it. The, the other thing with Ryan Fox is he does love to move to a two iron off the tee as well. 
Um, so we saw earlier this year at the Catalonia Championship where he was in contention again, as he has been at basically every single tournament he's played at this year. His two iron actually suffered a, a fracture, and he still managed to um, finish ninth in that tournament, despite the fact that one of his favourite clubs off the tee, he was forced into taking driver instead. So the the fact he loves that iron off the tee as well, I think around St Andrews means that he can play the strategic game of laying back to a yardage that he likes, or going for the green and going for eagles and birdies. So I think it, that this sort of event shapes out well in terms of huge, large driving um, areas that he can land the ball. The approach of the player is on point, and for someone who's got that amount of distance, he's very, very sharp around the greens as well. I want to add one thing to what David just said, because I think it's an interesting point that he brought up. And uh, I mean, this isn't the ideal way to necessarily look at it, but I have ranks when it comes to DraftKings price and betting numbers, and I can compare those numbers together. So just to talk about difference. So like to give an example, Ju Young Kim is 94th in DraftKings price, but he's 54th on the betting odds for it. So he would be the largest discrepancy. Second is Ryan Fox. Third is Alexander Bjork, Thomas Dietrich, Keith Mitchell, Lucas Herbert, and uh, Hao Tong Lee. Wow, that's that's great info. And then that, that obviously supports the Ryan Fox uh, pick quite a bit. And, and you're right. I mean, the discount, first of all, I love the, the idea of this being a better course fit for him, but the discount you're getting from last week. And, and you know, last week he was kind of underwhelming, but... <clears throat> that kind of makes sense based on what David's description was uh, with respect to him being a course fit there over here. But the good news is, you know, I don't know what his ownership looks like, but there's going to be some people that are just going to be off him. He had a 47th place finish, I believe. And they're just like, all right, I tried that. It was okay. Let me move on to the, the other guy that I think might flash. So I think it's a really good spot to take Ryan Fox. Yeah. Spencer yeah, is on. Go ahead. Go ahead, David. I was just going to say the only thing I think that maybe tempers that is is the fact that you are getting such a big discount to last week. True. Is that he he did rally to make the cut, um, which was um, you know just kind of what we're used to seeing from him this year. Um, but yeah, the 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 big discount I think maybe evens out the fact that some people got burned by him this week, last week. But I much much prefer him here. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I will take us into the next pick. Then I'm going to go with. Patrick Cantlay at 9,400 and the perception around Cantlay continues to move his price in these big tournament spots. We had points over this year where Cantlay has been the number one player in the world for scrambling. He's still inside the top 10 for win play. The putting from five to 10 feet places him second in the field. We can obviously bash him a little bit for his underachieving results that he's had during some of the most significant events of his career, but 14th place finish at the U S open recently. I think that's something that's worth noting. We've seen him in the past. Like if we want to use Augusta as a comp, he has a top 10 finish there. Um, the form is percolating with four straight top 14 finishes. I kind of wanted to start Rory Dustin. I'm going to go down a little bit and try to figure out how to build this differently, but I don't mind a Dustin Cantley start. I think it's going to be very unique in the $9,000 range. For sure. Totally agree. And, and I, I think Patrick Cantley's a, a pretty solid play too. He's definitely going to make it into my player pool. Uh, we already have some nominations in. Nobody has been seconded yet. Now keep in mind, we got to nominate two guys here and we've got another of oh, some interesting, not okay. Some interesting uh-huh. nominations here, but we still don't have a second. We've got five people nominated, maybe six, but we don't have a second for any of them yet. I guess I could I could second one of these guys since I am part of team audience. 
Hmm. Okay, Ju Young Kim is definitely one of the nominees. We got Charlie and Edward that have nominated him. Um, I certainly approve of that. And Spencer, I would imagine you approve of it as well, given what you just said about betting odds and DraftKings pricing. I, I mean, not that you're necessarily just supporting your model 100% for every single thing, but is Ju Young Kim a guy that people should have in their player pool? The ownership's going to be up there after what he did last week. Um, you know, I have 34 spots of value in my model. So like, that's something I'm never going to go against. I always worry a little bit about the $6,000 popular plays just because, I mean, they're very volatile options, but the value's there from a price point perspective. I think you could have very easily put him in the $7,000 range after what he did last week. Fair enough. And I'm, I, I probably need the audience to double check me here, but it looks like Cam Smith was the second guy in. Uh, Fitzpatrick almost made it, but we had Max and somebody else, Danny, that nominated, uh, had two Cam Smith nominations. So Cam Smith is the third guy in. Um, Joel, any thoughts on Cam Smith here? I mean, I, I have him in my player pool as well. I think he's a real, especially when you're talking about a strategic course and just managing it and being intelligent. I feel like Cameron Smith is like the perfect guy for that. I, also, he can obviously get the hop with the short game and the putter. We know that he can be great on approach. Uh, even though last time out, I don't think he was particularly good. In fact, last week, all he really did well was with the putter. But again, that's just one tournament. We know who Cam Smith is. Is Cam Smith in your player pool as well, Joel? I think you yeah. said it. The way you explained it was perfectly. I think, you know, this just seems like a course that he would do well at, right? Like the way he gets those unique shots and he visualizes it and he puts it within a foot. Like, I love Cam Smith here. And I think, I, in my opinion, I think Cam Smith is clearly a top five guy. So, like, I think you're still getting a discount. I think it's a little underpriced. If he, I think he could have been up to 10K. So the fact that you're just under that, you save a couple hundred dollars there with him, I think it's really good. So I'm looking. I see what the, the – okay, so Courtney said power. And then did another – oh, Charlie said power. Oh, it is Seamus power. Power night. It is, yeah. The power is off on Cam Smith because wow. it's Seamus power. So – all right, we just gave a, a ton of information for the, the rest of the crew to go ahead and scoop up Seamus, excuse me, Cam Smith. But no, the audience is right. No power gate. I was able to ship this, unlike Joel, who just <laughs> pretends that nothing is happening. Uh, but I listen, I like Seamus power too. The ball striking has been excellent. Uh, the value here is great. Uh, David, real quick on um, Seamus power before we go to Spencer's pick. Is this a guy you like as well? I, I do. I, I give it about an 86% chance that Joel takes Cam Smith now. Seamus um, <laughs> Power, I think, has had just such a fantastic year. He's been a late bloomer, um, for sure. But just look at the, the performance in the majors this year. It's just been absolutely incredible. Um, I was watching him a bit on the range yesterday, and he seems to be striping it well. Um, he's really excited, and, and he, he was going out and saying, you know, I'm, I'm here to win it, and that's that's the aim, is to go and win the Open Championship. So I, I love that mentality that we're seeing from him. Excellent. All right, Spencer, it's on you. Um, you've got you've got Dustin Johnson. You've got Patrick Cantlay. What do you got next? I can't believe in the year 2022 – I am going to be doing this right now with everything that's been going on with this player, but I am going to take Tiger Woods at 7,500 and I have a reasoning behind it. And I've never played Tiger before for the most part. I, I normally try to fade him in most spots. I think the ownership ends up being too much, but 
this is not your prototypical par 72 course. You have 14 par fours that are going to be on the shorter side of the equation. I think on those, you know, standard par 72s where you have four par fives, there is a reduction. We saw it at the masters a little bit. He knows the course, but he wasn't able to put all the results together just because I thought he was a little bit outmatched when it came to distance, but firm, fast fairways, he's going to be able to get a lot of carry from there. I'm running numbers, sure, from a little bit longer sample size. So you can say that some of the data I have might be a little outdated at this point. But the weighted tee to green, the proximity numbers, pretty much everything I'm looking at looks good. And Tiger's been on record that this is his favorite course. We know he's won here multiple times. So at 7,500, I mean, I I hope this doesn't become a situation where Tiger becomes like 25% owned. But I don't know if you could tell me he's going to be around 10% or less. I think Tiger Woods can give you a top 20 finish this weekend. At 7,500, I'll take that. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the Tiger Woods play at all. Um, Joel, David, any, any particular thoughts on Tiger before we get to uh, David's pick? Well, first I want to say I was positive that I was going to get Tiger with my last pick. I was so shocked. <laughs> Someone took him. I'm shocked. So, Mel, actually what that is, I like Tiger. I think uh, I, all the reasons you said are spot on. I think he can compete here. I don't think of all the courses – they should be the most neutral for his leg. Right? It's flat. He shouldn't have too many issues walking around. Uh, the the big thing for me with him is going to be ownership. I don't want to – if it's going to be even questionably high, I'm going to walk away from it. Sure. But, like, I think it could be low because, I mean, look at the injury. I think people are probably like, listen, he's hurt, he's old. And not only that, but the number came way down. 7,500 is now he's cheap. When he was 8,500, it was like he still had to – he had to be one of your elite guys at this point. He can be one of almost your scrubs in your lineup as you want to bottom. He doesn't need to have that great of a result. So as long as that ownership stays below 12, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play him. Um, we got it. Let's move over to David's pick. But Jason White chimes in with Tiger's going to have to deal with that big Homa crowd, which is just such a great, great comment. Uh, Jason, thank you. Uh, by the way, everybody who is new in here, we got some new listeners. Um, make sure you hit that like button. Uh, and David, it's on you for your third overall pick. It's worth noting as well, though, with um, Joel's first pick, that home is a huge, huge Tiger fan. Um, so perhaps worth playing into your calculations if you think that's perhaps going to affect him. You might get a bit starstruck being paired along uh, the the greatest full time. Um, my my, I, I don't get me wrong. I would absolutely love to see Tiger get a top ten or top five. I just I don't know if I see the the ceiling for Tiger, I, I perhaps see the floor in terms of I think I think he can absolutely make the cut. I expect him to make the cut. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, I just I don't know if I see anything better than say a top thirty, top twenty, especially in a, in a week that we expect to be extremely low scoring. That would be my my only thing with him. But look, I I understand the appeal. He's the greatest of all time. He surprised us before, and this is his favorite course in the world, so why not? Um, for me, I'm going to go with we, – we've talked about the parallel to the Masters a little bit. Um, when, when I think of Lynx Golf, I think of players that are creative um, on approach, creative around the greens, like these open kind of course um, setups. Um, so I'll take Jordan Spieth at mm-hmm. $10,000. I love that pick. I, I love Jordan Spieth this week. Uh, anyone else? Spencer, what are your thoughts on Jordan Spieth this week? I mean, even though it doesn't seem possible with the construction that I have right now, and maybe I miscalculated this a little bit, I was I wanted to have either one of Jordan Spieth or Cameron Smith 
to this build or, or Xander, one of those three, you know, unfortunately David has stolen two of them. So I really don't know exactly what to do right now, but yeah, I, I like the pick. It's when you think of creativity and link style golf and everything that's needed there. And you can look at the open championship record, even at in 2015 at St. Andrews. Uh, I mean, he was one shot out of a playoff and probably should have won that tournament. So a lot to like about Jordan Spieth. Yeah. And uh, David getting some compliments on his team already. It, it certainly looks like a good start for him. Uh, Joel, you've got back-to-back -back picks. You started with some value with Max Homa and Tony Finau. Are we going down value street again? Are we going down low up top? What's it going to be? I don't know if this is value street, but my first pick, I'm, I'm pretty honed in on. I like this pick. It's again, another one I want to keep an eye on ownership. I want to make sure it doesn't get too high, but uh, I'm picking a golfer that has moved on to play in the more superior live tour. And that his name is Louis Uswazen. Uh, he's just playing against better golfers these days, and uh, he's proven <laughs> the results. I mean, since he's moved over, he's top ten, he's top eight. Uh, and again, I think this is a good course fit for him. He's, he's going to be very accurate off the tee. He's going to be good scrambling, uh, putting here. So there's a lot to like, and to get him sub nine k, I think is is a really good value. Yeah, and he also finished top ten, not just in those two live tour events, but also at the BMW International. So. Uh, he definitely seems like he's in pretty good form. I agree with you there. For sure. Uh, anyone else want to comment on that pick while I scramble to make a decision on the two other guys? On the... <laughs> the one thing I'd say is is that there's so few courses in the States that are kind of comparable to what you see at the Link style. Chambers Bay is is totally one of them. Ustazen was second at that US Open. Um, the other one's Shinnecock Hills. Um, and again, he finished um, 16th there. So he's got really solid, solid links for him. Um, and obviously, I mean, he's won here before. He's had a second here before. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a very, very solid pick. Thank you. And obviously, as the theme is for this tournament, uh, not only are my golfers good at scrambling, but I am at making my pick. So that's why we have a <laughs> theme in that I am now also going to go with Shane Lowry. Uh, again, it's similar theme. I, and I think a, a lot of my strategy when building lineups for, for majors, especially this one, um, is I want to get six above average good golfers. Like I'm a, I'd rather sacrifice a superstar if I can get six guys that I have a lot of confidence in. And that's kind of the, the model I'm going with the build. And, uh, you know, I'm not really probably going to jump above the 9,300, probably my most expensive golfer. But Shane Lowry can definitely top five here. I mean, we've seen him been playing great all year. Uh, and so that's the kind of angle I'm taking. I really think he's just a really good value. A very recent form, maybe slipped a little bit, but I haven't seen enough to be concerned. I think he, he should be fine here. Can I say, Joel, you've done it again. <laughs> you can week in a row. Lowry was my next pick. I already had him in my little DraftKings lineup here to calculate how much I've got to go. I, um, I have a you feeling, last David. Week Fleetwood, and you took Lowry now. <laughs> I have a feeling you're about to steal my pick right now. Do you think so? Maybe. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll pivot away. What, look, what I'll say about Larry, I think he's, I, for some reason, he's flying under the radar this week. Yeah. I mean, he's the 2019 Open Championship. And two years later, we've seen a golfer who's far, far more developed than that golfer two years ago. I mean, he's, he's had the best year of his career by quite some way. Um, if we're looking at approach putt performance, which I know that many others are high on this year, he ranks 14th. If you're looking at three putt performance, he's 38th on tour. So, I mean, in, in terms of the scrambling around the green, 
that's that's really a big pointer for me. The approach play's been on point. I just think he's he's absolutely solid. Um well, I, I guess you know what, if I can't have Lowry, I'm gonna have to go and um I'm gonna have to go back to my boy uh Tommy Fleetwood, who was uh fourth last week, Joel unkindly stolen. <laughs> I mean, I would have written so, it into the chat. I just didn't want it. yeah, I mean Tommy Fleetwood was the player, I'm not shocked. Right. Of course. <laughs> I mean, look, I would say that I slightly prefer Lowry here to Fleetwood. I think Fleetwood's a really, really solid play. Um, what I will tell you about Fleetwood is his record around St. Andrews is just absolutely insane. So he's played, we've got the Alfred Dunhall links over on the DP World Tour, which includes a rotation of the old course St. Andrews, Kings Barnes, which is another links course kind of near where the Renaissance Club is, and Carnoustie. Carnoustie is by far the, the toughest of the three, um, and it, it can really um, mess up your scorecard in terms of that tournament. But of his rounds around St. Andrews, he's had 22 rounds. 21 of them have been under par. Amazing. Impressive. Uh, Spencer, it's on you. You don't have Tommy Fleetwood to pick from. And by the way, for those of you that heard David say approach putt performance, uh, essentially what that is is lag putting, which is going to be really important here because the greens are largely massive or predominantly massive, I should say. So lag putting is going to be really important. And, and to his point, Shane Lowry, great lag putter. Um, other guys that are good lag putters, just sort of that that I've written down are guys that are going to be in my pool. Jordan Spieth, Cameron Smith. Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, all these guys weighed out really well in the lag putting department. So um, if you hear approach putting performance, um, that's what that is. And uh, the PGA Tour holds that stat. It's on various other sites where you can kind of isolate that metric. Uh, but uh, Spencer, who are you going to get now, now that you can't have Tommy Fleetwood? I, I, well, first of all, before I, <laughs> before I give a pick, can I try to get a trade, like a three-way trade? We'll do a fantasy football thing here where uh, David can get Shane Lowry, Joel can get somebody plus future picks of mine. <laughs> um, Didn't we as... make a trade? Don't you owe me a pick at a major? Yeah, it was probably vetoed. As, <laughs> as legal counsel for the PGA Draftcast, I will not allow it. No, that's too bad. Well, I, I legitimately don't know what to do um i mean this would be like of all the options we're talking about and this would be like the speece the xanders the obviously i have cantley and dustin this would probably be the player that i would like the least um i i guess i will take cameron smith at 9500 oh come on <laughs> What are you doing, man? We were one pick away from getting both Power and Cameron. That's not right. Uh, uh, my hand got forced on this. Um, it's Charles' fault. It, <laughs> this Damn is it. where this all went south with the Lowry pick. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I like him. He's eighth in my model. He's seventh for upside. I do have some concerns when it comes to safety and the projected ownership that he's going to have. But wide open fairways, I think that's going to help him if you want to look at the tournament of champions as a potential comp course, you know, that's a venue that he tore apart. So I'll take the upside with Cam Smith and, and I guess hope for the best on him. And I'm already unique with the rest of my roster to begin with. So it's not like the 16 or 20% or whatever it ends up being is going to crush me. All right, audience, you better start nominating now because we have two picks to make and Cameron Smith is not going to be one of them. So we need, okay. So we already have a nomination in. And another nomination. All right, let's 
Let's see. I will second one if I really if I really like one. Man, I'm thinking about seconding uh, Brent's pick there. Yeah, okay, I didn't have to. Okay, so Matt Fitzpatrick is one of our two picks. Everybody keep nominating names or or second a name that's been nominated because we're going to actually need uh, three people. But Brent, I should say Brent, uh, Charlie, and Jason White all are on them. Oh, and Courtney are all on the Matt Fitzpatrick train. So that's one. And we have, what, about 7,500 and change left. Okay, I, I might I might go ahead and and second Courtney's second nomination. But I think I want to wait for the audience. Oh, wait, did we get two? Sorry, I'm just checking. I don't want any more gates here. Yeah, we got two on Russell Henley. I think Henley's a really interesting pick. He's not really in my player pool as of now. But anybody have any thoughts on Russell Henley to make me feel better about the pick? Russell Henley's probably... One of the best plays on the board, in my opinion. Wow. That makes me feel better about the pick. That was, uh, also, you... that was also my next pick I was going to make. So this has gone very south just with <laughs> every pick that's been made. Um, you know, Nick and I talked a lot about this on Better Golf. And I know that this is, I believe, his favorite top 40 bet on the entire wage or on the entire board for it. And, you know, if we're looking at Masters being a potential comp course, I think he has five straight top 30 or 31 finishes. The weighted proximity numbers are brilliant. He's inside the top five for driving accuracy. So there's a lot to like about him. I don't think this is one of your prototypical open championship courses. So I would throw out the miscuts in, you know, 2021, 2018, 2016. If we look at the 2015 tournament at St. Andrews, he came in 20th. And I know the recent form might not necessarily be what you're looking for, but one to two percent owned. He has top twenty upside. Like those are the kind of gambles I like taking. Fair enough. Um, anybody else, uh, David? Any opinions on Russell Henley this week? Uh, look, I, I think he's a really savvy pick uh, in that range as well. Seventy two hundred just seems like very very good value. I mean, if he was priced at say seventy eight hundred, I I don't think I'd blink an eye. Um, as as been said, there's some links there in terms of. Um, in terms of Augusta, but then also around here in, in 2015, he had, a, he had a top 20. So, I mean, why not? I mean, he's performed here before. He's in great form. Um, it, it seems like great value at 7,200. Yeah, and I got to be honest. I did want your opinion, but part of the reason I asked you that is because I know Spencer is completely scrambling right now because all of his <laughs> picks are getting taken. So, Spencer, have I given you enough time or should I go to Joel and ask him about one Russell Henley? I wouldn't mind if Joel wants to give an opinion very quickly. <laughs> well, okay, I'll help you out here. So, um, I'll get out of you. Russell Henley, I came off of today. I was on him early. I came off him today. His recent form scared me. I just thought um, he wasn't playing well. And I thought to, to really perform at this course, you want someone coming in a little bit better form, which we haven't seen. I think if this tournament went off two months ago, I probably would be one of my favorite plays. I just think right now it's not the guy that we saw that was playing as well. But at 7,200, right, you know, he can be one of your cheapest options. So he's worth, you know, a couple of darts if, if you want in the GPPs. All, All right. right. I think I am ready to make a selection. And I'm not even so concerned with this selection. I like this player. I'm going to take a lot. Like the bigger problem I have is I don't necessarily have anybody to pair him with. I was kind of trying to scramble to see if there was any weird combinations I could put together that I liked more. And, I don't necessarily see them like uh, the pick is going to be Thomas Peters at 7,200. And mm. I would like it to be like a Peters Henley or a 
Peter's Ryan Fox type situation. I think that's like really savvy type builds with that. But the thing with Thomas Peters that I would say to me, at least, and David can probably give a better answer than I can give on this, but he reminds me a lot of Ryan Fox in the sense that it's going to be good short iron proximity. He's going to have the distance. He's going to be half the ownership. So that's one of the reasons why I think he makes a lot of sense. And I mean, he's a value for me anyway. I run my models. So like, that's one of the things I'm looking for, for a sub 5% golfer. Yeah, look, I think he's a really savvy pick. I, I think he's a, a cut maker, which when you're looking at this kind of price, you, you really do want to get five, six of these guys making the cut. And I think he's a guy that can absolutely do that. Um, he, he's highly, highly rated on the DP World Tour. And we've seen a resurgence of form this year. Um, so he won in Abu Dhabi, which is a Rolex series event at the beginning of the year. Um, that was very, very windy in it. And despite, again, being in the Middle East, it, it is a Lynx-type course. Um, it's got kind of Lynx vibes to it. It's very exposed, very exposed to the wind, lots of undulating greens. So I don't think it's the worst um, the worst comp course that you could look at by any means. Um, great record around Augusta. I, my, my only misgiving with Peters is he hasn't necessarily had the best performances in the Alfred Dunhill Lynx. Um, so, I mean, his, his best finish there has been an 18th. Um, other than that, he's missed the cut 50th, 60th, and 39th. Um, as I mentioned, that's got the old course as part of its rotation. So that that would be my only concern. But look, we're, we're, we're seeing a golfer who is very, very talented, great on approach, um, particularly with the irons, and he, he's finding some form again. So I, I don't mind the pick for the price that you're paying. All right. All right, so uh, David, it is on you. You have two picks left. You're coming off the Tommy Fleetwood pick. Who do you got? It is, yeah. And look, I, I, as I as I said earlier, I would have loved to have had uh, Lowry because it makes a few of these decisions that I make uh, later in the round just that little bit easier. And I'm kind of I've been thinking going back and forth between two different ways of do I go another stud and then go dumpster diving in that low kind of six k range and get a little bit funky. Um, or do I go sort of two kind of middle of the road guys um, in that low 7K range? Um, so I'll, I'll mention what I would have done, um, but I'm going to take Joaquin Neiman at 8,000. Damn, I'm pretty upset about that, but it looks like Joel was going to take him anyway because <laughs> with what we have left uh, money-wise, uh, Neiman just fits so perfectly. Uh, but anyway, uh, go on, David. Why Neiman? I mean, the the thing with me with links courses is you, you do need this variation with your approach play, and particularly keeping the ball low and out of the wind, and and we saw that with um with Neiman earlier this year, particularly I mean obviously with his Genesis um, Invitational win, which was just such an incredible performance on what is typically a very good guide for the majors, and and obviously um, a very tough setup that has usually been low scoring, and he just he just burned the whole course. But he, he's known for this low ball flight, right? And and we've started to see some variation in terms of being able to hit these higher shots as well. But um, I, I think he's the type of player that uh, Link-style course will seem to fit. I mean, obviously, he hasn't got a ton of experience. But then last week at the Irish Open, um, shows up and he, he uh, sorry, at the Scottish Open, turns up for for a 16th in, in a really high caliber field um popped on approach that week as well which is something i always look for in terms of the ball striking moving along so i i think he's someone who i expect to absolutely make the cut and i think he's got some really good upside as well 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a big uh, Neiman guy this week as well. Joel, did he just steal one of your picks? He did. He did. I was all set, and then just like that, I'm in scrambling again. But like I said, you got to be able to scramble to win this week. So I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take my notes, and I'm gonna figure it out. But yeah, someone else comment on that pick as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Spencer, t- tell us about um, what you're thinking about Joaquin Neiman. So, like, in the $8,000 ranges, we just look at everybody as, like, one lump sum group of players. There are four golfers for me that would be a positive value against their price. It would be very r- barely Sam Burns. It would be Tommy Fleetwood. It would be Tony Finau. It would be Joaquin Neiman. So, like the way that he's going to be able to flight his ball down, you would think that's going to be very beneficial for him for a tournament like this. He's going to get a lot of role there. And I, I always like Neiman. He's a supremely talented golfer that at some point we're going to get a very high end result from him in one of these majors. And this might be the perfect week for that to happen for him. Yeah, I mean, I obviously like the pick because that's who I was going to take. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, Jesse, that is a good suggestion. Connors was being heavily considered, but I went a different route. I was able to scramble, and I and I somehow found a way to make my team even better than it was previously going to be. Uh, and I'm going to, for one, have a pretty shocking pick, um, and that's going to be Paul Casey. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do it yourself again. I do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. god <laughs> so, i love i love that i've begged joel into a corner stealing his pick and just forced him into taking the poor casey play it's perfect it's such good revenge for last week <laughs> for those of you who don't know I, i've sworn paul casey off multiple times this year <laughs> uh, he's cost me thousands of dollars literally <laughs> literally this is not an exaggeration um but listen, at the end of the day, right, I'm doing this to go for the big win. And if, and this is a big, gigantic if, he's healthy and he actually can put four rounds together, he's underpriced. I mean, he can easily top 10 this event at 7,500. So listen, I know I'm putting myself in a position to get hurt badly by playing him because who knows what you're going to get. But if you get four good rounds out of him at 7,500, not many guys this range, maybe a couple can actually top 10 and he can. So it's a pure upside play. Uh, upside's there, but it's very, very risky, obviously. Um, but at this point, you know, it wasn't my plan to take him here as other, I would, some other guys I would have taken and I wanted, but as the draft fell at this point with the upside, I think this, he makes the most sense here. And then with him, um, I'm going to close it with Cameron Young. Uh, and then Cameron's another one who's pretty volatile. Uh, but I just love, you know, again, he's another one with a lot of upside. He's sub 8K. He can be the best player off the tee. Um, you know, he he can do everything. He can miss the cut, obviously. So, again, he's, he's another very volatile player. But uh, he has so much – he does so much good that he can find that for me at the PGA Championship or the Wall Fargo, which were only a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, that – Oh, I think we got – Joel on the Paul Casey effect. Now his mic's done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his, his mic has withdrawn from the draft. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's what I deserve. Um, I, I want to move on to David's pick, but real quick, because I know the shine is off Cameron Young a little bit. What are we looking at from an ownership standpoint? I know it's preliminary, but where are we at? So I'm seeing 7.3%. And 
I just want to say one thing about the two picks that Joel made. I really like both both of the selections. Like even the Paul Casey stance on it, I think it's a good GPP play to try to get different there. He's going to withdraw from the tournament, but that's like another story with it. But as far as Cameron Young is concerned, number one in my model when I took the total driving plus short irons. I mean, that's in everybody in the field. So I think this is a really good setup for him. I'm sorry, but Joel's mic has withdrawn from the tournament. It's like the funniest thing that's ever been said on this show. David, uh, props to you. That was amazing. Um, David, it is on you for your final pick. It is. I mean, look, I I, I decided I would go down this route of, of taking one of the top guys and go sort of a risky play, but someone that not many people are going to be drafting. Um, so I'm going to take Jamie Donaldson, who's a Welsh um, veteran uh Ryder Cup star, 46 years old, probably his last go at playing the St. Andrews um Open, or certainly the, the St. Andrews Open, but he really is getting towards the end of his career. Um, but he's just popped last week with a really impressive showing at the Scottish Open. Um and the week before that he was 20th at the Irish Open. So he's a he's the type of player where you know, we we often see this more so with the Open than others, where you do get one of these savvy veterans who knows their way around the course. Um, just pop up for like a surprising top 20. And that's kind of what I'm banking on with, with Jamie Donaldson here. Of We've seen some actually pretty good um, incoming form from him. Um, and then, you know, and the, the history of a Ryder Cup star. Yeah, I like the price for sure. He, uh, the uh, article, which by the way is free on windailysports.com, at least my article is. And I know, um, Spencer, you have an article that's coming on Windaily Sports. David, you as well. Uh, but I, Jamie Donaldson almost made the cut as just sort of a low-end guy uh, in the 6K range. I left him off, but I absolutely like that pick. So, uh, Spencer, it's on you for your last pick. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> I thought the Tiger Woods pick was bad with it. Um, <laughs> all right. I mean, why not, right? We're here for entertainment. Phil Mickelson, 6,600. No. <laughs> no way. What is going on? <laughs> Tiger and Phil? I mean, does that wow. sound like a winning millionaire maker lineup? Have you ever heard one before? This is the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> There's some stuff, and, and, you know, David alluded to it a little bit, that you can have veterans pop up at this tournament, and – I know everything about Phil right now looks terrible, whether that be on live golf or even the performances he was putting together on the PGA tour when he was still playing. But a lot of my numbers, when I weigh this specifically for St. Andrews, like he gets a 23 spot increase for weighted T to green. There's a massive increase for him on these like slower greens, the weighted putting. He's actually number one in my model from a two-year perspective. You're going to have problems with the wind. I, I don't think the wind is going to be that insane that there's going to be a problem and. I know he's a different player now than he was, but 20th in 2015 at St. Andrews, the short iron proximity, even with all the bat around him, still puts him inside the top 20 in my model. And like, this isn't the ideal route that I wanted to go. As I said, I'd much rather have Russell Henley here. Like that's a much savvier way to finish off this roster or like a Ryan Fox. But I don't know. I have upside numbers with Mickelson. Like he's one of the higher climbers for upside. He's one of the, lower fallers when it comes to safety but i wouldn't be shocked if he provided a top 40 finish uh jesse bringing it in the chat don't try to justify that pick spencer <laughs> and when he comes top 40 everybody can like clip this well I, I first of all there's gonna 
there's going to be a lot to potentially clip from this show. This is pretty great. Well, I got I have to, I have a take on this pick, and I, I want to kind of explain this quickly. Typically, I mean this in the least insulting way. Golf has been in the past relatively a boring sport. Not much actually happens. The guys wins, but not much action. This year, all of a sudden, there's the most drama in golf. There's everybody. It just happens to be the biggest television app. Netflix is recording a show. Happens yeah. to be this year when there's the most drama that could possibly happen. And who's at the center of all the drama? Phil Mickels. And so. If it's rigged and Netflix is paying for it, they want to happen to happen, it's to have Phil Nicholson win the tournament. So there you go. I think if it's rigged, it's it's a setup for you to win. <laughs> That's a good uh, good point, I think. <laughs> um, I think the audience has actually already selected, and they're gonna you guys can call me out if I'm wrong here, but it looks like Adam Scott got selected thing. by the audience. And if I could get confirmation from somebody, obviously I see Danny uh, nominated Adam Scott and um somebody else did as well. Courtney nominated Adam Scott as well. So I think he's our last guy in. I actually don't even know what his price is. Where's, oh, he's 7,700. 7, so clearly he is, um, he's in there. I noticed somebody mentioned uh, Billy Horschel and, and, I, and the, the draft is closed, but um, Spencer, can you clarify? Maybe uh, obviously everybody li- needs to listen to better golf podcast. That podcast is already out by the way, for uh, those of you that are listening, but I know in our group chat, Nick had mentioned Billy Horschel that he liked him. Is that somebody he also liked it at the, in the Better Golf Pod episode? Uh, we didn't talk about him a ton. I, I do think he likes him. Um, I also know that in a lot of offshore matchups, you know, sharper books tend to like him. Also, I didn't have him as a player in my model that I particularly love. Like I, I prefer the Adam Scott route, but like just to flip the script on it, Adam Scott's also a massive underdog in a lot of his battles that he has. So. You know, I'm going to trust my numbers. I, I like Adam Scott. He was a top 10 player in my model for me. I think he's going to provide a made cut. And um, I don't know. I'm not going to talk anybody out of Billy Horschel, though. That's like a long run breakdown of my thoughts on Billy there. Fair enough. Um, Joel, I know we're pressed for time. Does anybody want to give out like maybe a name uh, of somebody who didn't get drafted that that they were surprised about? Just well, I was just going to say Justin Thomas, you know, playing great, really good form. Uh, price is high, so it's hard to build that many lineups with that many good golfers, but uh, that was one for me. I'm willing to die on the Justin Thomas hill this week and not play him. You know, he pulled out of the Travelers Championship with a back injury. He had a very atypical performance last week at the Scottish Open. We can say nothing's wrong. I know he was out with Tiger practicing, but I have some concerns with health with him. Uh, I mean, I guess for me, and this is typically my answer when I'm on a show, but I'm surprised Webb Simpson didn't get drafted because I kind of planned on going that route this week. Um, You know, maybe Webb instead of Tiger might have been a potential route I could have considered with all the money I left on the table. But uh, no, I I think for the most part, we hit a lot of the main players. Yeah, I I agree. I think Gary Woodland's a name that comes to mind just because he's, I think in that 7,100 range, he's playing well, looks to have the you know, looks to have the game for a link style course and, you know, has, has been good on link style courses before. So um, that's, that's pretty much it uh, for, for that though. I love it. All right. Well, we're not done yet. We are running a little time. So we're going to go quickly. We're going to go quickly. We're going to do our outrights and we're going to do our first round leaders, but we had a great draft. So give us your comments. We're going to post them. Let us know who you thought had the best draft. What team do you think is going to win? 
We're going to recap it at the end, uh, but we'd love your input. While you guys go ahead, give us your input, hit the like button. Don't forget to give us a follow. See, do you want to kick us out in the outright market? Yeah, sure. Um, let's see. Outright, I, I only have a few. Like, you know what? I'll, I'll give them, let's see, one, two, three. I'll give five out. I, I don't see it. The problem is at this point, a lot of the outright market has been kind of beaten down. A lot of the good numbers are kind of gone. So that's just something to keep in mind. I'm not playing any of Sam Burns in DFS. So I think at 40 to one, I might be willing to speculate on him in the outright market because I do think he has, obviously, we know he has tremendous upside. So Sam Burns at 40 to one, I think is interesting. Louis Ustazen at 40 to one. We talked about him. Joaquin Neiman at 50 to one. Seamus Power, 80 to one. And then as far as a shorter odds guy, Cameron Smith at 22 to one. There's really no other number that's palatable for like some of those top end guys for me. I love it. I love it. David, how about you? Who do you like in the outright market? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll say for transparency that the first three guys that I took in the draft are actually the ones that I, I hold tickets on from the last couple of months. So obviously everyone knows I've got Ryan Fox at 150 all over the place. Um, I've also got Xander Schofle at 29 to 1, which I took sort of midway through the um, Scottish Open last week. And I've got um, Jordan Spieth at 26 um, as well, um, which was based on his Scottish um, Open performance. You won't find those prices anymore. So um, I, I won't give those as picks, but just for transparency, I've got those three outrights going going into the week. Um, other than that, I'm going to go um, Shane Lowry, which I've got at 26 to 1, which I think is fantastic value. I'm getting um, Joaquin Neiman at 55 to 1. Aaron Wise at 140 to 1 feels like very good value. Halton Lee at 140 to 1 and Jordan Smith at 150 to 1. Real quick, Aaron Wise, I believe, is 7,100 in DraftKings or 7K flat. I think that's an interesting play too, the way that game is coming on, both with the ball striking and with the putter. I, I feel like he's a bit of a dark horse this week. And, and when you mentioned Woodland, when I said it was sort of two two routes that I could go, was going up to Joaquin Neiman and then going down to that low 6K range. The, the other was going kind of that Woodland-wise um, and maybe even Moronk kind of route as well and sort of middle of the range there. So I, I do really rate his chances. I think he's got a good, good chance to, to play well this week. Yeah, just to double down on that a little bit, like other than the hilarity standpoint, which I do kind of like Philanese less than 1% owned, but Woodland and Wise would have been the two players that I would have been deciding between uh, to round out that lineup with the salary I have left. I like it. And tell me, who, who do you like in the outright markets, man? As everybody's kind of said already, it's such a moving market. Like whether, you know, you're somebody like David that's gotten numbers super early or as Sia said, you know, numbers are moving throughout the week. I do have six golfers right now that I have a ticket on. Some are going to be more readily available than others to find, but I'm going to leave about, you know, 0.4 to 0.5 units for in-tournament ads since this is such a weather-driven tournament. But uh, I have Patrick Cantley at 33 to 1. That continues to come from my collection of old tickets on him that I picked at the beginning of the year. I took Dustin Johnson yesterday at 40 to 1. Adam Scott, 100 to 1. Webb Simpson, 160 to 1. Thomas Peters, 130 to 1. And then I did number grab Sung JM at 80 to 1. I love it. That's a I great got, number on Sung J. That is a great. Mm. What is what is it? Is it still what is it right no, now? No, I think it's down to 65 or 66 to 1 now. Yep, that's what it is. Still yeah, I like good. that number. Um, all right, I got four plays for you. I got two uh, lower eyes and two bombs long shots that I like. The 
the low rides, guys, I'm with you, Spence. I like DJ. I think that number is really good for him at 40 to 1. I think, you know, he certainly has the upside to win the tournament. 35 to 1, I think it is actually. Um, and I also like a 40 to 1 Louis Usweizen. I think, you know, this could be a spot where he could win a tournament. I think he's playing really well. I think he's getting overlooked a little bit. I like 41 for him. In terms of the, the two bombs, uh, Mito Pereira. You know, listen, this guy was not that long ago almost won um, another major championship, and now you're getting him at 100 to 1. That's a really big number for a guy who, who I, you know, if he puts it together, like he can certainly compete. And the last one is Paul Casey. And it's only because, listen, he's a superstar It's It's more the number. It's 180 to 1. That, I mean, for Paul Casey, that's a huge – 180 to 1 is a huge number. And listen, I don't think he's going to win the tournament, but he's a guy that – uh, compared to other guys in that range, he's way better at golf. And if he's healthy and he puts it together, he can actually win where most of those guys at 101 can't. So it's, it's like the web thing in my mind. I look at 160 to one and I see a golfer that has more win equity than I guess, you know, is the price tag meets the eye with it. But as I said, I don't, I don't think Casey's going to win the tournament, but I don't hate Casey this week. I think he's a fine play for DFS. Yeah, as long as you don't mind him with drawing after the first five minutes. Exactly. But if that you can, if he doesn't withdraw, then we got to we got to play. So, uh, all right, first round leader, Spence, take us off. We like the first round leader market. So I have Sunjay sixty five to one, Russell Henley a hundred to one. I really like that ticket. Uh, Mark Leishman seventy five to one. I took Phil Mickelson at one hundred fifty to one. Cameron Young at eighty to one. I also really like that ticket. Webb Simpson, a hundred to one, and then Dustin Johnson, fifty to one. I love it, David. How about you? Who you like in the first round of your market? Uh, so I've got six guys. What what I'll say with the the weather on the Thursday is that we we're, we're kind of expecting a little bit of rain around ten a.m. to to one p.m. around that midday kind of mark, um, and the the winds are kind of building throughout the day into the afternoon with with St Andrews because the the day is so long and everyone's going off the first tee you're going to get like nine and a half hours of golf um on on that first day so I'm liking guys who are kind of in that 8 a.m 9 a.m kind of range for teeing off um just because they're going to benefit from the the calmer conditions in the morning but then hopefully with the rain hopefully those those firm and fast greens um are gonna um yeah soften up a little bit in terms of um getting on uh, on those approach players nice and close. So for me, we've got uh, Xander at 33, Justin Thomas at 40, Lowry at 40, Fleetwood at 45, Kitayama at 110, Dean Burmester at 141. I love wow. it. Love it. I love it. Uh, for me, I just have a couple first-round leader plays this week. Uh, they're all There's three of them, and they're all 80 to 1. Uh, I like Kevin Na. At 80 to 1 to get the gap for our first round. I like Cameron Young, also 80 to 1, and Aaron Wise on 80 to 1. So that's my kind of sweet spot range in that 80 to 1 market. But we're here to make money. And the one way to do that is to follow Sia's plays because Sia hits these all the time and he actually knows how to pick them. So, Sia, enlighten us. Where are we putting our mortgage this week? I'm intrigued by both of you, uh, Joel and Spencer, being on Cameron Young at 80 to 1. I, I do think. For a full tournament, it doesn't make sense to take Cameron Young, in my opinion. But for a first-round leader, I, I kind of like that. I might have to incorporate him somehow. We'll see. Okay, so here it is. Cameron Smith, 35 to 1. Dustin Johnson, 45 to 1. Joaquin Neiman, 55 to 1. Seamus Power, 65 to 1. Gary Woodland, 80 to 1. 
and the guy who's going to be your actual first round leader. I just gave you five guys, but here's the sixth guy and the actual first round leader at the Open Championship 2022. He's 8,400 in DraftKings. He's on Joel's team. It's Tony Finau. A Tony Finau at 50 to 1 is your first round leader. That was easy. Sure was. You're welcome, everybody. There you have it, all right? If that's how you make money, I would suggest you take all the money you have because this is going to happen, right? You're going to wake up Thursday morning and you're already going to see Tony on the front of the leaderboard. But, wow, I'm going to be rich as long as all the money you have is on it. So if you don't have all of it, then you're just going to be upset that you didn't put more on it. So mm-hmm. everything you can get your hands on, put it on Tony Fino for their first-round leader and just smile, say thank you. Because the only issue with it, honestly, the only small issue – is that it's probably going to be a six-way tie with all the guys he has said, so you got to have to split some of yeah. it. That. He's gonna and that be- happens, but the, the 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 thing about that is if you actually bet on all the guys I gave you, then you're getting the pro rata share like so many different ways, which is kind of fun. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like like video game style, like your bank account just like keeps cashing, yeah. like Sonic the Hedgehog collecting the coins. It's like that sound. Uh, anyway, it's it's great. So just bet on all of them, but put more on Tony Finau, obviously, because he's going to be the actual like winner, winner. So it's a lock, actually. The the odds. I make sure you do it quickly because the odds are going to be negative by the end of the hour, probably. So you're yeah. going to get that now before you have to give up. So that's a thing. Uh, that's a wrap for this week. This is going to be a really fun tournament, and like. You know, have as much fun as you can because it kind of goes downhill for me as the last major. So we got to get it all in this week. This is the this is the biggest week of the year for golf. I'm super excited. See, am I missing anything? Uh, no, that's it. I mean, this is the last major. Buckle up, but don't worry. There's plenty of golf after that. We got the FedEx Cup playoffs. Golf's year round, so this is awesome. Oh, and by the way, football season's coming soon. Windelly Sports does a lot with that. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all just sports. See you, Dave. See you later, Crocodile Dundee. Sports. Sports. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.